0: Irreverent,
1: entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk
0: Radio.
2: You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir only on LA Talk Radio. Welcome to all things therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm an intuitive psychotherapist and licensed clinical social worker. You can find me online through my website, which is nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. From there, you're able to book sessions with me, either in person At my New Orleans or Los Angeles office locations, you're able to book FaceTime, Skype, and phone sessions as well. So wherever you live, we're able to work together. There's a link to subscribe to this show on iTunes and Google Play, as well as able to listen to archived episodes. And if you want to support this show, you are welcome. And I gratefully appreciate it in advance through my crowdfunding campaign on Patreon.com. My guest today is in the studio with me. I am really pleased and honored to be with Joanne Lavin. She is a celebrity wardrobe stylist who got her start literally from birth, being born in Chicago, growing up in her parents' high-end clothing store, the Pompeian Shop. She went on to be self-taught through detours through Paris and Orange County and is in Los Angeles currently. This is just a small list of her clientele. They include Hillary Swank, Martha Stewart, Justin Timberlake, Justin Bieber, Jane Lynch, Drake, Snoop Dogg, who I just saw at Jazz Fest last year. It was fantastic. She works with networks and television shows, including MTV, CBS, NBC, Bravo, OWN, Crime Watch Daily, American Idol... And Access Hollywood, just to name a few So today we're going to talk about actually the psychology behind her work And how as women we can reinvent ourselves As she did even in her 40s through her work And her passion for dog rescue So I'm just delighted, Joanne, to have you in the studio Welcome Hi Lisa, I forgot that I did all of that It's amazing, you're amazing It's shocking to me (laughs) I love that Well, I want to start by proposing a toast. Okay. I really appreciate meeting you from our network of friends, and I'm inspired by what you you you. do. You're welcome. Thank
1: you. This is a special occasion because I usually don't
2: wine in the day. I don't either. And for any clients listening, I don't see psychotherapy clients after drinking wine in the studio. Maybe you'll lose half of your clients. (laughs) (laughs) There's a high potential for that. Exactly. So tell me where you'd like to start today.
1: Well, you know, I think that how you explained it was really perfect because, I mean, I I have had a big career, and the thing is, I I really have been self-taught. I mean, I think that when you're growing up as a child and you work for your family and it's a high-end kind of boutique like I did, and your parents aren't really paying attention to you and you're feeling, I mean, I really grew up feeling very unhappy and not, I I felt like I wasn't seen. Mm. So it was like a gift from God that I was able to leave uh, Chicago in my late 30s and go to Paris to find out who I was. So self-taught is completely how my whole life has been because I, when I was in Paris, I didn't even know how to take care of myself.
2: You know, hearing you say that and not knowing that you weren't seen because now you, you are seen because of your career and the ways you help people feel comfortable in their bodies and in and, and the clothes that they wear to express themselves. I thought of themes of you growing up with self-affirmation and wondered what it was like. I've listened to a few interviews mm-hmm. with you talking about going with your mom to Europe and, right. um, and just it was like a new that wasn't really happening. So if you can kind of walk us through how you developed a sense of your personal independence.
1: Well, you know what? It's very interesting because I think when we went to Europe on buying trips, it was brand new, and nobody even knew about going to Europe. So the first group of all these amazing boutiques and and high-end stores went the way we did, not like it is today, very celebrity-based. And I think what happens is when you're raw and you're doing something – and you travel to Europe and you're looking at things, you grow. I mean, I think every experience when you're leaving your environment and what you're safe, yeah. where you're safe, Yes, it really helps you. And as a child, seriously, I'm, I'm not kidding you, I grew up with panic attacks. I had no idea what they were. I, I didn't know that. Yes. I mean, I, I actually didn't discover that there was a name for it until many years later because when I was growing up they thought I was just I should be in a slow learn, a learner's class and so it's How a, contrary to yeah. the truth of who you are Well you know what I, I always say I'm successful in spite mm. of my background because I never gave up and I never gave up on who I was and I didn't even know then who I was
2: you you talked about that and I'm going to flip through some notes as we're talking this afternoon that um, when you've been so I'm just going to intuit it what I remember you saying in an interview is that when you were told no it was even more fire for you to totally. make it a yes oh my god can you talk to us about that
1: well I think that you know when you're growing up and you're with a family that has a business—they're not paying attention to you, so they're only looking at your negative things. If you're not—if oh, right. you're not going to—if you show up ten minutes late to work, or if you're not straightening a rack like my mother was, she was very tough. And I think that what happened with me, there was two ways to go: either you were overachiever or you weren't. And in school, I really wasn't. I'm really street taught. There's something innate in my, mm-hmm. and I feel it's really a gift because. I just have to do what somebody says I can't do. And my dad would say, how are you gonna go to Europe? You can't rent an apartment. They don't rent to Americans. And I did. Wow. I went, uh, I got off the plane. I went to the left bank. I found a hotel. Then I found a little um, beautiful studio on the left bank and I just got it. That's just how I am because I think it's for everybody. If you don't look at yourself and move forward, no matter where you are in your life, and your past, you'll stay stuck in your mm-hmm. environment. And I think therapists and everything that is anything spiritual is a way for people to learn
2: new things about themselves. I agree. I- is it true that when you went to Paris that you didn't tell your, the buyers of your family's business? I did. There was some piece. So can Wait, you tell that, us how that happened? Lisa, yeah.
1: I, I want you to know she has really studied the inner, the inner part of where I've been. When I, when I went to Paris, my parents had a buying office there. But I just oh, felt wow. I – and I knew people there. I mean, I had been there for like five years, twice a year. I just felt I needed to find out who I mm-hmm. was. And I took my Yorkie, and I was still... You snuck your Yorkie in the plane. I did. Well, that's a great story. It's a great story. Well, it was funny because I hid my dog, Simmy. (laughs) And then I I think I fell asleep for a couple minutes. And then all of a sudden, I looked down, and my dog was gone. I think she went to do something some other place. So I'm walking... In the airplane? Yes. And I'm walking in the aisle. And then all of a sudden, I see this high heel and legs. And I look up. It's the stewardess. And like, <laughs> then all of a sudden, my little Yorkie just crawls out, and like, obviously, they had no, they couldn't do anything. I was already like five hours into the flight, but
2: was it okay? Did they?
1: Well, they love the Yorkie. You know, a yeah. girl with a Yorkie and scarves around your neck, you can go to any European country because they love that look. And you know, when they see a Yorkie, dogs are like the intro to everything.
2: So were you scared? How did you feel on that flight? Oh, my God, I'll tell today? you. It was really... I mean,
1: and maybe at that moment I wasn't as scared as when I got off the plane. I, as I say, I keep on saying this, It was. I feel it was a gift from God or another experience because mm-hmm. I was the least likely to leave Chicago. Why is that? My parents had one of the best stores. Yeah. I mean, and everybody... I mean, it wasn't like I was the most adventurer then. And it was, like, shocking that I would leave. So th- being in Europe really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Because mm-hmm. uh, since I was dealing with panic attacks, I I would be afraid to go out on the street. And I had yeah. to make myself do this. Because when you're dealing with that and you think you're going to faint, all I could think about is my dog would be lost. Oh, it, yeah. would, it would be like nothing else. But... You know, I, I, I found a therapist in, your, in, okay. in Paris. It was the first time, and if you think about it, I was like 39, it, you know, later in life, and I found some therapist. I don't even know. I took four metros, and she was uh, British, and that started me just trying to figure out who I was.
2: Wow. You know, I had no idea we had such a similar life path. Oh, really? When we were just speaking a little bit ago in the waiting area, that at 43 is when I realized I need to get out of New Orleans. It was almost a panic. And I came to Los Angeles and um, figured it out. And at moments, I would have panic attacks, not knowing where I am, wondering why am I doing this. This, No one understood in New Orleans. And I didn't even really tell my family or friends. All of a sudden, I'm here. And I have an office and I put on Facebook keys to an office in Los Angeles and people are like, wow. What the fuck are you doing? And I was like, I don't know, but but I have to do this. Like you yes. spoke about for personal growth and to learn who I am. And now at forty six I feel like I'm just getting a handle on who I am and and able to create the life that I want. And it's mm-hmm. so expanded. I'm sitting here with you. I have this show. I love it. Like, I feel like I'm finally living my passion.
1: No, I see. And you're actually dressed like me, so you're definitely a fashion Th- girl.
2: Well, I, even when I walked <laughs> in the studio for our listening, the, the the studio uh, manager was like, uh, I've never seen you look like that. Because I usually come in workout clothes. But I'm with the fabulous Joanne Lavin, oh, and she's that's, stunning. That's so. sweet. No,
1: but, you know, I think that,
2: and I say this to everybody
1: because I deal with a lot of people that want to, in, uh, to intern with me and they're young. Please talk about that. And, and they're scared. Or I just talked to this fabulous girl who wants to change her life and she had a similar background as myself. Like, my thing is, there is no age to change what you do. I don't care. And obviously, I'm not going to expose how young I am. But sure. I, I feel that you can you could do whatever you want. You just have to do it. And I think people, like... If you think too much and you think you can't do something, then it, it, it just makes it worse.
2: Well, from what I know about your story is that you decided to come back to the States from Paris and and worked in Orange County. Yes, oh, that and, was funny. And so can you talk to us about as far as your personal journey to be who you are oh, today? Oh, no,
1: that's the, actually the best part or the funniest part because when you work for your family, and my parents had a very high-end story, and people would call me all the time, can I show you my goods? Can I, I have a leather line? Can I have this and I would say on the phone, Oh, call me next week.
2: Like I didn't want to because they wanted you to buy? Yeah, yeah. and okay. I didn't want to be okay. bothered.
1: It was like, you know, I was young and I was like, Okay, you know, call me next week. So when I uh moved to Orange County, I worked for one of my parents' friends who had a chain of stores and it was like Newport Beach was a little bit too oh, yeah. clean for me. Okay. I'm used to inner city Chicago you know, streets of Chicago. So I one day after a couple of maybe eight months, I looked down and I was wearing sequined gym shoes and I said, I had to get out of there. <laughs> like I had to get to fucking LA. Yes. <laughs> and that, so that's yeah. how you got here. Oh yeah. And then I got an apartment here and Okay. I didn't know what to do. I mean I didn't want to it would be hard for me to be in retail since that, that was the life I lived in unless I owned a store, it would be crazy to work for somebody. Okay. So I started getting jobs in wholesale areas. Okay. So now here I am. I, I'm repping a leather line calling stores and asking the same thing that they'd ask me. Mm. Can I see you for an appointment? Well, maybe next week. No oh, I thought, you know, that was that was really funny and I got like I needed to learn all of that because sometimes we don't think on how we're reacting to people that Mm. really need something from you. So I think that made me a lot more sensitive even to girls or people that want... Empathic. It wanted me to, uh, wanted to learn something from me, so...
2: You know, but my sense of you, Joy, is that you are an empathic person, so... What is
1: empathic? Empathic (laughs) is
2: is when you're able to feel feel for others, put yourself in their shoes. Yes,
1: it's a good and bad thing.
2: Right, right, depending on where you are (laughs) in that spectrum. But I wonder if you were just, you know, younger and trying to find your own way, and that caused you to say, call me next week, as opposed to just being an asshole. Well, no, I think
1: in my life, I've always been sensitive. Yeah, Uh,
2: I, I... Get that.
1: And uh, on other areas, not necessarily how I would have dealt with the situation as far as talking to people that needed to sell me something. Mm -hmm. And it gave me a good insight on how to look at that they're doing what I was doing, looking for something, and I could at least be nice enough to see their goods or or say something nice to them.
2: So you you spoke in one of your interviews about living from your gut, and I wonder if making the move from Orange County to LA was like your gut just driving you here.
1: Well, you know what? Everything that's happened with me is my gut. Can you I, talk to us about that? I'm out of like in my life, I, like my family they're in Chicago. I mean, I've done everything alternative. My lifestyle is alternative. Mm-hmm. I I'm gay and uh and proud to be thank you yes amen cheers to that hey I'll drink to that cheers to that (laughs) and just remember I don't drink in the afternoon (laughs) So, (laughs) so anyhow no but I feel that um that it was good for me to go through everything that I had because it just has made me a better person and dealing with people in a better way and making me feel good about myself and you know I'm, I'm happy i'm i also feel like i'm like my dad my dad was a very charming stunning chic man and everybody liked him and actually my mother wasn't that nice to him either but that's just the way that kind of situation owning a store whatever my mother was very powerful but my dad used to walk into restaurants and everybody would say, hi, Jerry, like, you know, and this and that. And I feel like, like I'm him because, yeah, you know, I, it's really funny. I mean, people stop me all the time. They love my glasses. They love my hair, whatever. And my lesson today is just learning how to, to accept that.
2: Mm. To accept the compliments yes. or accept
1: yourself? To accept the compliments. Got it. And I think also, on the other note, Mm -hmm. when you grow up with people telling you that you aren't doing the right thing, even when uh, my parents came out to see me when I finally did my first show and I took them to NBC, and my dad, till he was in his late 80s, would say this, and it was cute, but he would say, like, we're so... I would get this finally. We're so proud of you. We never thought you could do it. It was that second part that was like could you just stop it the first part yeah exactly so i i just feel that uh i'm just living my i'm living my life in the best way and especially at my age i feel like i have just another
2: beginning there's mm-hmm. no end to what what i feel i can do or anybody else so a moment ago speaking about the relationship working with your family which has come up a few times so one of the kind of hidden gems in this show for for me that I, as i was learning about you is this relationship to your parents and business as a therapist, people come in talking about their family of origin and mm. the challenges. And then here you are working with them. And And I've heard you speak a bit about your mom being, you know, really tough, expected a lot of you yes. from when you were young. Yes. So I wonder how it was growing up, working with your parents, and how that affected your relationship with them. It really, you know, to be really honest, yeah, you it, can be it honest.
1: really wasn't, I wasn't a happy child. It's so a transformation through all the th- things that I've done, going to therapists, and I'm a huge spiritual. I, uh, yes. I'm a student of spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I think all of that has really made me who I am today because I, I just feel when, when you grow up and your parents are in a negative state, you, unless you're really working at trying to be aware of yourself and going for help someplace, yes. you don't know that there's another way. I mean, and there was no reason. I mean, I I didn't necessarily look like I should be sad. Everybody thought, you know, it was that high end kind of living, and it never made a difference. Like actually, my mother was more upset that I'd give gifts away than if I'd straighten a rack. She'd say, "Why are you always giving things away? Why are you doing that? Like, why would you?"
2: That is, that's who I am. I love to. So and, you're generous, exactly. That makes you happy, exactly. So how did you cope with being unhappy in your childhood, yet having a work ethic and and a lot of expectations? I. That's a good Funny. question.
1: I just managed. I did. You know, I, I had different kinds of friends. They weren't all just the the right people that it looked like I should be around. I would go. I would go with friends to the west side of Chicago and go dancing with every African-American dude that I, that I was friends with.
2: That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I
1: would, like, leave my house at, <laughs> like, 11, 12 o'clock, and I'd be dancing all night.
2: How old were you?
1: I was, like, 20, 21. That's even. awesome.
2: You're a free spirit.
1: Yes. I mean, I, I'm a free spirit in, in my own way, and uh, yes, I am. Actually, there's nothing more to say.
2: So it it sounds like you did what. Uh, so tell me. Well, this is a question. I don't want to assume. Did you do what was expected, or did you really love working for well, your family? Well, you know what, I was. The, that's on
1: the fence. Okay. I mean, i I walked a fine line because my parents wanted. They only, My mother looked at what I did as far as did I sell enough clothes? Did I? Uh, were the racks the most organized? And I was alternative, like I am today. It was like, can I work on a display? Can I. And I found this interesting because yeah. the people that came to my parents' store were very high end kind of women, and then there were other women. And I would find that it w- I wanted to take care of somebody that needed help. I wanted them to feel good about looking better. So anybody that was like, a little bit more arrogant, wasn't my style to yeah. want to take care of. Yeah. So, it, you
2: know, does that play a role? And I know I'm jumping kind of time frames, but it all connects. That even today, when you take on an apprentice or an intern, that they're that you can kind of sense their drive and desire and, and yes. mentor based on that intuitive sense? Yes,
1: totally. I mean, I
2: Somebody think, that really wants it.
1: Right. I mean, and, you know, I'm very clear, like... It's not like I'll have anybody intern. I have to see that they're passionate about what they're doing because I, I think that's the secret to success mm-hmm. is that when you find something that you love to do, and I've never been uh, money-driven to have that be first. So, you know, I'm I'm happy and lucky that what I do is passionate.
2: Yes. it, it is. what... It, and this is—I was planning this for the end, but I feel like this is oh, a perfect great. segue. Is—and um, we're not—we're not near the end at all. But what, whats next for you? What is something that you want to do and haven't yet?
1: Wow! If at
2: all? Yeah. Well, I think
1: that there's first of all there's a lot more as far as shows that I want to be a part of. I think there's if I could learn how to say this word, this is what I want next. I want to be an—I sure. want to be an influencer.
2: Okay, tell tell us about that. That's somebody I
1: want to be able to to be on a position where I can wear things that people are interested in and let them know what it is and and be a part of a bigger uh, universe as far as having somebody learn about how to be more well dressed or different parts of different styles or designers. I want to be that part to
2: be the teacher, so Joanne, this might be a news flash to you and part of accepting compliments,, what? but you are uh, an influencer it, but the thing is, I have a hard time saying it <laughs> but do you ha- uh, I don't know that you even have to because no, it's it is you. yeah, you're you. welcome. it's within your innateness of who you thank are. You. you don't need to say it because it it yeah. just mm-hmm. precedes you. you know the thing is, I love it because
1: I love that people get happy when they when they talk about my glasses and that is a great subject because I if if anybody has seen me they know I'm always wearing certain glasses yes and then I'll get people saying like are you wearing Celine are you wearing Prada and I love to say no I go downtown to LA in Santee Street which is like Little Mexico I find these I I Sunglass stores And I buy them for $5 (laughs) And that is how My whole array of glasses are Mm -hmm. And I guess That's another thing That I think is really great About knowing about fashion Or style I mean you could buy good things Because I think it's important Especially if you have the finances But I feel that anybody could look As good as they can And go to Target Mm -hmm. I, I think that it's just
2: that that style is who you are. I love that. And oh. and so one of the things that I was curious to talk to you about because it came through in every interview that I listened to and and watched is that you have an innate ability to help people feel comfortable, and they are stripping down to their birthday suits, yes, right? Uh, and you know, it's funny. I always say, "Hi, take off your clothes." I mean, so seriously, yes. like down to like, do you furnish like under undergarments? No, but you such? know, it's, you know, because I.
1: The kind of shows I do are quick. I mean, I meet somebody, I have a fitting, uh, I get clothes for them to wear, and there's no time to caress a person. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, like <laughs> I want them to either... Like, I sort of say, look on my website so you know who I am. Like, don't be scared. But I, I, what I find so interesting are men are a lot shyer than women.
2: And In what regards? When, when
1: taking off their clothes, for me to even try anything on them. Really? Oh, yes. I find... A lot more men want to go into the bathroom, and I think that's oh funny. Gosh. Even if I tell them I'm gay, it they're doesn't okay. make really? no. It's like they're so shy. And the other note to sell mm-hmm. is that men never are honest about what size they're wearing.
2: Uh, do they make it smaller or larger? Absolutely,
1: smaller. If some if some man tells if some guy tells me he's a thirty waist, I go oh, that's or, or thirty two. Yeah. I go up to a thirty four, or I get a range of sizes. Because men are really shy and they don't want to know how much they don't want to know how much they weigh at okay. all. Okay. So, More so than women. Yes. Okay. Totally. That's interesting. But yes, I find it I find it interesting that like especially and I and I don't talk about being gay that much, but like I always wonder if women are going to be uncomfortable, okay. but it seems like nobody it's been so welcoming. I mean, because everybody gets who I am. And yeah. I, I think it's just great that, like, they're excited. And what I love the most is that they can't get the concept that I'm going to be able to shop for them and have that thing. And usually when I go to a fitting, I have a rack of
2: clothes. And, like, they have everything that they need. Yes, that you'll bring. So if you can talk to our listeners. Because I got a really powerful visual learning about your career, about about showing up. Um. after a fitting with, with, say, like, eight bags of clothes. That is and, correct. And can yeah. you just describe to our listeners kind of a day in your life or a show in your life just to paint us a picture?
1: Yes. I well, I imagine
2: it's, like, high stress and, like, fast. Well,
1: you know what? I guess a lot of people in my field think it's stressful, but because I I find it fun, I don't find it stressful. And... If we had more than our time, I would tell you about all these great experiences, like when I did American Idol, and I had to change how they wore...
2: No, Kelly... Cl- like, and you had to use their clothes. We have plenty... We have to... We have, like, almost 30 minutes. We do? Yeah, we have a lot of time. Oh. Or, like, 25 minutes.
1: Okay, but... Uh, so, where were we? Uh, about,
2: about, um, about what it's like a day oh. in your life, or no, a show so in
1: your life. No, You know, when I find out from... Mostly, I do TV shows, though I do private clients... Uh, and I find out what they're looking for, the kind of clothes they are. And I talk to the host and I just start shopping and I believe it's best in numbers. So I don't leave anything out. And this is probably good if any stylist who wants to be is listening. It's a, it's a great little idea of how to l- view shopping. I mean, if somebody says they're one size, I get d- different sizes
2: because I can't like a size up and a size yes, down. Because
1: I can't believe that everybody is that one size. So, mm-hmm. I believe uh, that you get more than less. So I have, I usually end up with a rack of clothes, and I just run around to different stores. I I there's uh, different stores that have studio service, which are uh, private offices that stylists could come up and memo things out. And I run around the city. I buy things. I take things out on memo. I get accessories. I get a full array of shoes, and th- the beauty of it is, I would, lo- I should have probably taken pictures of everybody's face when they walk into a wardrobe room because
2: yes, because why? It's
1: so amazing because it even amazes me because everything is beautiful on the racks, and then the shoes are laid out, and, and it's all for them. It's all for oh, them, and even that's though they, magical, even though they don't know that I only have like two dollars to spend. They get to see everything and I get to wean through everything and get the right amount to at least have producers and everybody be happy.
2: How long might that take? Walk in Is, the room with them and try on everything. Uh, well, you know, it, it's so dependent
1: on the personality of the person that I'm taking care of. Uh, it would probably take between an hour to two hours. To oh, have, that's pretty, yeah.
2: Okay, that's pretty quick.
1: Oh, yeah, It's easy. once Because it's so laid out, it's it's not difficult to do it 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 and again, it all depends on how picky somebody is and but it's not more than two hours
2: so can you talk to us about the psychology of how we what we put on the outside can reflect our inner emotions and just letting ourselves shine because I think this is yeah really what oh my we God, for a living, you
1: know what that's a great question because Thank you you're welcome. <laughs> You know the thing is and this is like the whole point about how to be a great stylist is my, the, the biggest gift I have is about how people feel better about themselves. And it happens all the time. I mean it's so rare and it's not even that I'm saying it from an ego standpoint. It's It doesn't sound like you No, at all. it's it's amazing because when somebody so many people don't like to look at themselves. And they have; they don't have a sense of clothes. Like they can look in their wardrobe, mm-hmm. and they are they don't like how they look, or they think like you. What I help people do is get excited about how they look, and it it makes you feel better. I don't care whether it's somebody that I'm putting on TV, or you're walking out the door to interview somebody, or be a therapist, or be anybody. I mean, I think when you feel good about how you look
2: you emote that I, energy you spoke about that about emoting from the inside you know and, it, and what, how about when you dress yourself what is it like it's one two three <laughs> what do you mean you know what I love the most it is yeah. I don't well I
1: don't think about it, and I think it really bothers everybody because it's like I don't think about it till I get dressed like there's no like oh my god what am I going to wear okay I, it isn't that and s- sometimes I think about it because I think it's really funny I like go to my closet and start like oh I think I I feel like wearing these pants and then all of a sudden it evolves, and I shouldn't tell my secret but I think it's really funny. Okay. And in fact, my one great friend, who is a stylist too, Dina Shoshone, and I'm, I hope that she sees she she listens. was
2: early on in your career when you yeah, was a friend from she, oh, Gucci was that your friend from Gucci? Yeah, I took yeah. her out to do
1: our first show. Yeah. Now she's one of the top stars, Vicky Lawrence. Yeah. She she's the, yeah she does America's Got Talent. But we used to have a joke, like. I wear this tank top that I wear with everything. It's sort of like somebody puts on a watch. Yeah. And we both, I I, I think she still does it too. We both wear the same tank top. It's from Target. Mm -hmm. And that is like the base of what I wear is very simple. It's what I put on after I put on the base. Like if it's a jacket or if it's a piece of jewelry. And even though somebody thinks I look different every day, I mean, I'm basically doing the same thing but just changing up the outer part of it. That makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's, like, core pieces. Right. I mean, somebody, I mean, yes, I I do have quite a closet because I'm shopping, but my closet doesn't mean that I have the most expensive things. I have have, uh, jeans from Zara, I could shop at Forever 21, and I could have a Prada boot. I think that... It's, again, and I will always repeat this, it's how you put it together and how you feel about yourself that brings out the style of what you have. You put on a scarf, like, Lisa, which you can't see today, looks, like, perfect. Thank you. I mean, she she's dressed casually, but, like, stunning. And, Thank you. And in fact, she's wearing a scarf, and I didn't today, so... Because
2: usually it's cold in here, so... Yeah. I, I, yeah. No, Thank I, you, I appreciate and I feel comfortable.
1: No, but I think that... You you and, and if somebody doesn't think this, they should rethink it. I think you feel better when you feel that you look good. Yes, and I think that that's part of getting to know who you are and owning your style. And I think that is a lesson that I've had that I've had to learn because today. I mean, people ask me all the time, you know, "What are you wearing?" or they ask, yeah. they, they talk about my hair and everything, and your hair is gorgeous. You know well, I've had guys in truck tra- uh, truck in trucks saying, "Hey, I love your hair, and I, I like, believe it. No, but I find it so f- much fun. yeah, I make it fun. I think like, okay, I, I often think I should just have a tape of my day so that I would like put it into a movie. it would be so much What would it look like? it would be, like? would it would be every day. Oh, my God! I love your hair. I love your glasses, and i'm not coming I'm not coming from an ego thing because no. in a way, I think it's funny because it's you know when I was growing up, my mother used to think I was a little weird about how I dressed. I wasn't necessarily I was fashioned, but in a different way. like if, uh, I would be wearing these heavy kind of shoes that were in style, but not her style. She would look at me and say, "What are you wearing?" or so I really. Have evolved my own style, just because I it I've been relaxed to be who I am.
2: Mm-hmm. If that
1: makes any sense,
2: yeah. That you have comfort within your own skin. You're comfortable it, you know. in your own skin, and that's what you help others feel through your work. Is comfortable because I, I also uh, heard something you said that really resonated with me. That when you're and my pair. Paraphrase when you're styling someone that you want them to feel comfortable. It might have been on that idi- that that interview in the van in New York. Oh, that with, was funny with, with Crime Crime Watch, Watch Daily. Is my is my weekly show. Yes, and do. someone from that show I think even said that that you dress them in a way that they actually feel comfortable in the show. That you tune in to what how they can look amazing but also feel comfortable, which I think is important yes. because if you're wearing something you're not comfortable and that comes through energetically. Absolutely. Absolutely and especially that show which is uh,
1: a, a great show and I love doing it. It's called Crime Watch Daily with Chris Hansen and it's syndicated and I have to this is an a, a, a alternative way that I work shows because I have to send boxes of clothes to everybody and Chris Hansen in New York and you like I had to really get what who they were and what they did and how they work is they run around chasing people that have killed people or right, dangerous right. situations or crazy people. I mean, it, it's like a, a dateline on steroids. It, is. it on, is. On a daily show. And, like, if they're going out in the field, I, I have to make sure that they have something that's casual, that looks good, that isn't flashy, because there's nothing flashy about the show. It's, mm-hmm. it's deep and serious. So, you know... Uh, that's a great example because I love and they all know it but if they ever listen to this I love when they text me like
2: I can't even believe it. Like the whole box worked. They well, said that on the interview. I know it was so weird on YouTube. If y'all want to catch, do jo- put Joanne Lavin in YouTube? Uh, dot com. Yeah, oh. and, and just oh. for every, listeners know Joanne Lavin, J O A N N E L A V I N dot com you. is your website, and put Joanne Lavin in YouTube, and this amazing several interviews come up um, talking about your work with Crime Watch Daily, and they love what you send them. They were just. Raving no, but that's a, that's really one of my favorite things, and I and
1: I love doing that show. Is that I could send things, and they're happy. And again, I think for every show or every person that I dress, even when somebody will ask me as a personal client to take them shopping, if they even have if their budget is is eight hundred dollars or a thousand, and I take them to stores like H and M or whatever, it mm-hmm. doesn't. And I love to see how they light up because usually what they'll say is like I didn't even see I couldn't even picture myself in this. I mean that is like the main comment that I get. Like I didn't even see I could wear this, and that's like anything else when you when you're doing what you love and you're sharing your story, whether it's a therapist or a stylist or whatever, an engineer. I don't care what you are, like how you. Project yourself and how much you like what you do. It just other people take it and it helps them.
2: So going back to the the piece around your family and your parents that heavily influenced it sounds like you and 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 your early experiences. Do you are they proud of you? Are they can they even believe? I don't know if they're still with you. No, they're dead. Okay, okay, okay.
1: <laughs> no, they're not dead. They're flying around. I,
2: I'm sure. But do you th- feel them? Do you feel them like sometime with you and? Well, I, you know you. what,
1: I do know, and once they turned 80 and they got older, they definitely got a lot more sensitive, and I, and I definitely got a lot more compliments, Good. and uh, I think that they really, because they didn't have to look at a store or do anything, I think they really, I mean, my mother got who I was, and I think my, that my mother always thought I was really passionate and loving, and it's just that her background was a certain way, and and when you know it's it's a it's a, a century of of your family background. I mean, you you only can show what you know, and these you know right. That's well said. But well, that was really I like that way I said that. You can only show what you know. It's true, it's you true. know. And so, uh, I felt much better as they got older, and I'm sure that today they have to. But not even only because of that, because. Of my passion about my animals, I was just going to
2: ask you that next. Oh my gosh, we're so sync. Because I'm, I'm a psychic stylist. Yeah, I believe I, I so believe <laughs> no, that, and I'm a psychic kidding. and intuitive therapist. Yes. Okay, so, hey. yeah. no, it's true. So I wanted to ask you about your personal passion and one of the ways you give back through animal rescue and fostering. Well, I don't. Why well, I, I don't the dog I really? Stuff. Yeah, I really don't
1: foster. I wh- whoever I foster, I keep. So right at the moment, I have two dogs, but. I will go back to Please. which you'll find interesting yeah. as a therapist.
2: I find this all interesting. Oh, thank you.
1: Yeah. When I was working at my parents' door, I had a friend that had a, a Yorkie that he gave to his mother. And he called me up and he said, like, my mother, is she can't handle it. Do you want a dog? And I went, like, are you kidding? And this is like that period where you don't feel loved and you don't, you don't even mm-hmm. think you can be responsible. Mm-hmm. And even though I lived alone, it was still... Uh, I was probably in my early twenties, so I said, "Okay, bring the dog over." And so I ended up keeping this, my heart of dogs, Simmy, who was a Yorkie. And
2: this is—is is that who you brought over to Paris? Yes. Not, yeah.
1: But what I what, what what I want to say about my animals is, they taught me how to love. Mm. They taught me unconditional love. Yes. And that really was the best part of even my life is being able to get to that experience. And animals I've had the weirdest kind of animals. I have animals that I've rescued with my friend Maria Walker in Mexico and they looked Mexican. <laughs> I've had German Shepherd Mix he looked like a coyote and that was I funny. I believe it this is the first time I have two dogs, one's a multi-poo buddy, and sugar and they're White. I have designer they're dogs. Beautiful. And they're rescues. And we all look alike. I think it's really funny.
2: You all do. I, I really want to highlight what you said a moment ago about your pets and animals teaching you about unconditional love. Absolutely. And even when you were younger, and, and animals just oh my god, god helping you yes. like stay present, stay here, stay. That was the gift of everything because
1: I was so afraid to take care of that per, that dog and have responsibility and even taking Simi to Europe. I mean I had to figure out how to feed her in a healthy way and yeah and dealing with panic attacks and all of that. It taught me how to be how to be strong.
2: Yes. Really, and, and so so I, I think you know, but I, I fly between New Orleans and Los Angeles with my do. two kitty cats. Oh no, wait, you take your cats? Oh hell yeah! Oh my god, I carry forty that. pounds of cats through the airport. They've done seventeen round trips. Wait, do they? Are they under your seat? Or do well, they're under my seat and the person next to me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what if they're not a cat person? Well, you know, the universe kind of finds that out for me. Wait, that is so funny. So I I have an emotional support letter because truly they are my ESA animals. I can't live without my two cats. My one dog is, too. I believe uh, emotional you. Sport. Jiggy is my 15 pound tuxedo, oh and my then God. baby. Wait, come on. He's a big honker. He's probably bigger than your little doggies. Wait, my dogs are the most. There is
1: 15, and that's Sugar, who's a little bit too chunky.
2: <laughs> so, I mean, you take them with you. I, Jiggy's on one shoulder and a carrier, and then little baby, my calico, who's about eight pounds. Uh-huh. She's the newest little babe that I have, Uh and uh, it took them a year to love each other, but they're best of friends now, so Uh she's on the other shoulder in a carrier, and I get on the plane first, I have priority boarding, and I get situated with one cat, Jiggy, in front of me, because he's in the biggest carrier imaginable, and then little baby goes in the seat, the middle seat, that person's seat. So if someone wants to sit, because I'm usually in the fourth row, I uh-huh. say, oh, if you don't mind cats. And the people that don't mind cats are like, ah, like kind of run so down the aisle. And yes. inevitably, the flight's full, and the last passenger boarding ends up loving cats. This has happened 17 times so far. Oh, my God. And they pet her. Lisa, I love that yeah. story. So I bring them at, back and forth between L.A. and New Orleans. They're like, I be- when you speak of unconditional love, oh these God. animals have taught me about unconditional love right, seriously. that I can extend to people and myself. I, I really mean that. I, I yeah. I, I don't
1: say that lightly because I think that is one of the main reasons that I know how to how to think about that. Because I had to think about this dog and I had to take care of her. And I mean I have I also have like great dog stories because when I was going on planes I'd sneak her on because you couldn't just do what you do today. Right. And uh, once I had a pilot that wouldn't take off. because Why not? They, Because they, uh, they wanted me to put this, like, eight-pound dog in the back.
2: Aww. And
1: this is before with the letters and everything right. that we do today. But, uh, oh, I said to the stewardess, can I talk to this pilot? And I took the do- I took my dog, Simi, and I went to the pilot. And I said, look. Like, are you serious? You want to put this dog in the back with cargo? And so they looked at me and they said, "Well, okay. Well, have the the dog can be with this with the stewardess,
2: Joanne. That's amazing. That's a pioneering innovative no, but moment. that was and so wow. so
1: the stewardess was right at the back where I was. Well, they fell in love with somebody and they kept on oh. giving her food, so she was happy. <laughs> she couldn't care less about being with me, but. No, I love that. And then I had one when I went on a plane, and they were so pissed off. I, we had already flown; they were waiting for me off the plane to to reprimand me for taking the dog and hiding on the plane.
2: Because they fell yeah. in love.
1: And then when I came back from Paris, I had to take a flight from Brussels. Okay. And I had this is where I had no money. I was coming back. I used everything I had. I didn't even know even how I was going to think about making money because again, when you work for your family. And they tell you, you can't make any more than a certain amount. Mm. You feel that, that you're not worth it. Yes. So, so that was another challenge and a, a, amazing growth I've had. But I had to sneak Simi on this plane in Brazil... And my suit, my carry-on was too heavy. Like, I was throwing things away to get my dog No way. Because I had to get her on the plane. Yes. I mean, and so nobody knew that I, I mean, I had to get her on where she wasn't seen until I was flying.
2: You're such a pioneer. And yeah. seriously, this is. I'm a rebel. I, I said this. On, a rebel with no cause. Yeah, that's, that should be my line. I'm a rebel with no cause. I think you have cause. Yeah. You Ca- want people to feel beautiful in their own skin and yes. in what they're wearing so they can express themselves fully. That's exactly. You put that perfectly. I'm going to have to take that and put that on take my website. It. Take <laughs> it. And and your passion for animals. You you've spoken about cause for a pause. And is it luck dog or lucky dog? Well, well, lucky dog. Uh, cause for pause was a special
1: I did uh, Thanksgiving with this amazing uh, producer Michael Levitt, who okay. rescues pit bulls. Oh wow! And uh, this was one of a couple of different uh, Thanksgivings that he had a telethon where. He was bringing dogs on uh, Thanksgiving night, and you could adopt from just watching it. And they had dogs that had three legs that were blind. It was and Lucky Dog is a show that airs every Saturday on CBS at nine o'clock. Okay. And um, uh, Brandon McMillan is a dog that is a person that takes dogs from kill shelters Mm -hmm. and finds a particular dog and then finds a family, and you see how he he works with the people to learn how to take care of the dog and works with dogs that... I mean, I think that... I mean, if everybody would tune into to how it is for all of these animals, cats, dogs, yeah. whatever, they're so abused. And, and when you adopt or you take dogs, like all of my dogs, each one of them has had some situation. Yes. I mean... I have my dog buddy. he is the cutest thing you can't put your hand over his head um. you he do, he won't look at you in the eyes. it just very rarely and he doesn't kiss mm-hmm. i mean and if you think about how he was brought up i I mean everybody just needs to be aware, and I think that's exactly what I try to do if I could help a um uh, uh, somebody who is uh trying to to rescue a dog or my friend who has may day uh Natalie and she is getting dogs out of these shelters, I mean kill shelters and and yes. and, and getting them all the medical work they can have and and
2: and, re, and 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 giving them hope to have homes. I mean, I think it's so important totally. My cats are rescues. And, Are they? Oh yeah, absolutely. Jiggy was found in the streets of New Orleans, and he was feral. And I fed him wow. for a year on my porch. Wait,
1: he's feral, and he, you actually and, got yeah, him in your a, house.
2: Yes, and now sleeps in my bed and it, like curls up with me like a baby. Oh my, now that's amazing. It's amazing. And and then little baby, my my sister is a mobile vet in New Orleans, fur De Lee mobile vet. Oh, I love that. Yeah, she's perfect f- for you. I mean, you, great. Yeah, instead of Fleur De Lee, Fleur De Lee, uh-huh. but she's also with SPCA just to help be being of service mm. one day a week. And they found this little calico in a dumpster and nursed her to health with a bottle, and that's my little baby calico. She's a miracle. Amazing. So I, I believe you. What You're saying, like, these animals need our love and support, just like apples, just like everything.
1: I, I mean, it's just a great cause. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I think anybody that, that has any cause is terrific. Because, I mean, I think that in life you just can't be... You just can't – you have to give something back. I agree. I don't care what it is. It doesn't have to be to animals, but it it has to be to something. I mean, you can't take it all in without – like even – I mean, this is not the best example, but even when I buy clothes, I always take clothes out of my closet, and I put them in a bag, and they go to – That's awesome. They go to homeless shelters or wherever I have friends that – Deal with people that live on the streets because you have to give it. You have to give. You can't just take.
2: I think that's beautiful about you, and and just your whole effervescence is oh, about that. You. Like for real, you just have a presence that's really beautiful and powerful Thanks. and gentle. Thank you. You're welcome. I feel like I'm in a session right now. <laughs> Do you? I feel like I'm in a session. I, I feel like you're seeing right through me yeah, as well. It's I am. Good. It's good. Uh, so we have oh my gosh we have like 30 seconds what would you I, I want listeners to know how they can find you so Joanne Lavin
1: yeah it's j-o-a-n-n-e-l-a-v-i-n.com or on my Instagram it's jplstyle and that would be a great way you'll see what I'm doing what I'm wearing where I'm going it's fun
2: thank you for being my guest Lisa
1: thank you so much you
2: are amazing thank you you are definitely a force of nature thank you I appreciate that it's my intention I love you, Joanne. I love you, too. Okay. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only. valentine's day duncan's got the perfect pairings to show your love so get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit duncan refresher with a cupid's choice donut are you ready for love america runs on duncan price and participation may vary limited time offer